This is Pop Fiction Women. I'm Corinne. I'm Kate. And we're complicated. Blunt. Total boss. But sometimes a mess. Opinionated. But never boring. And in this podcast, we're discussing the complicated women of the best books, TV, and movies. Along with the complicated women behind the scenes. Warning, lots of spoilers ahead. So come back when you're done. Hurry up, it's starting. Here's what you're going to expect of this episode. We first start with our complicated woman rating. We talk about what makes Marianne complicated, which we have no shortage of things to talk about there. Yes. She is... We go through a lot of she, characteristics and debate yeah, them. Yeah, we do. And we don't always agree. And it makes sense because she is often one thing in one moment and then something else in the next moment. And then, right, depending yes. on high school, college. And then also, are we talking about love? Or are we talking about school and she's different in both of those realms too right and then we move on to what we think are some of the best scenes in the book with marianne and we talk about the relationship with connell we're also mixing in here killer quotes which of course i think we could have gone on forever because there are so many good quotes lines writing is so it's just so tight and every word matters and and what she can convey so I I think that section actually is a lot of fun and so we mix that we do some of them Mm -hmm. on their own but then I think we start mixing them into the scenes too yes that's right and so then we talk about our favorite scenes and our cringiest Mm -hmm. scenes and with this book in particular that often these two are one in the same And for Sally Rooney, she almost turns it on a sentence. The best scene will have some of the cringiest lines or a really cringy scene will have an amazing heartwarming line. So we have a lot to discuss there too. Yeah. And that's where we mix in our cut so deep quotes. Mm -hmm. So, but you're right. What ended up happening was with many scenes, (laughs) it, we just were like, maybe I thought it was more of a favorite and you thought it was more cringy or vice versa. The tipping point of overall is not easy. We're just like, uh, is this my favorite or is this completely terrible? (laughs) But it's fun to discuss. Yes. And then we move into our favorite segment, What's Your Damage, Heather, where we play armchair therapist. And we talk about Marianne's home life, her upbringing, certainly her brother and her mother, um, and then how she continues to what I've said, re-traumatize herself with bad patterns in her adult relationships, Mm -hmm. right? Yes, for sure. And then we do a segment called Crystal Ball, where we think about or imagine where Marianne and Connell might be when the book ends. In six months and five years, we do in this. And we... Yeah, we we hypothesize here, particularly you, yeah. Corinne. You yeah, I went a came little up crazy with a wild one on this one. I did use my imagination. Yes, yes. I love it. Uh, yes, and then we talk about some of the supporting characters. It was which supporting character did you want more of, and yeah, which would you have cut potential. completely? Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah, and then which would you have cut completely? Yes. Our answers were Lorraine, Sadie, Lucas, and Mary Ann's brother, Alan. But we didn't tell where where each of those fell right. and why. Mm-hmm. Wait, what about what she said? Oh, oh yes. Oh, I skipped that. That's crystal before ball. the crystal ball. That's right. So what she said. And we go on 
we could have done an yeah. entire podcast on Sally Rooney quotes. I think we talk for 20 minutes because we have so many of them that we love and, and things that we discovered about her as a person, as the creator behind this amazing book. Right. Uh, and there's a lot. There's yeah. a lot of first person quotes for someone who doesn't give a lot of interviews. So that's because <laughs> but when she does, speak, she says, yeah, yes. it's thought provoking. That's for sure. Yes. I like that. What she said. That was a great one. It was so fun to do and so fun to talk about because we each found so many different ones, right, so many different true. things that we, because we don't, yeah. we don't exchange in advance and, mm -hmm. and it's possible we, we could come up with the same one. I don't think we ever have though. I think sometimes we have had it, but that's not what we choose to highlight. We've always had other ones like, oh yeah, I read that too. Yes, yes you're right. Like that kind of thing. And then finally our takeaways, which was such a great part. Oh, these takeaways. Yeah. <laughs> I think these takeaways were some of our best. I, I, yeah. And you can tell by this point, we're starting to open up, get personal. It's it fun. It's personal. Yeah. And that's what I yeah. love about the takeaways generally. But, mm -hmm. and I think we've gotten really good about that, injecting a lot of personal into yeah. the podcast. But, but like you said, this was the beginning. We were finding our groove and how mm -hmm. do you sort of reveal things about yourself and how much, but we didn't even need to figure it out with this. I just think no, it spoke just to us launched both right into it so yes. personally that yeah. it couldn't help but come out. And yeah. and I actually direct people to the last twenty minutes of this podcast a lot. Like since yes. then, so yeah. I've always loved the end. So enjoy as much as you can. And then check out the Hulu recaps that we're doing for each show. So we'll get right into Marianne Sheridan and her complicated woman's status. We're talking about Normal People by Sally Rooney and our protagonist, Marianne. She has all the answers. She is private. She makes you work for it. Yes. Here's the thing, though. I'm, I'm saying yes, but... When I think of someone who plays games, I think they're much more intentional, maybe more conniving or calculated. I think she is almost unintentionally plays games. No. Do you know what I mean? No. Okay, no. No, I, I know what you yeah. mean, but, <laughs> no, but you're way wrong. Wait, I was just reading a quote about this. They're in the car and she lost her flask in his car and she thinks about asking if it's in the glove yeah. box but she really only wants to bring it up to remind him that they had okay. sex the last time they were in the car yes. like i think she is playing it all out in her head way manipulative and she's like do i want to remind him that we had sex last time or do i not want to like she's weighing right no okay that's a good example i do remember that yeah. and that would absolutely argue in favor of being calculated. I just feel like sometimes some of it is unintentional, but would appear to look like, you know, she's playing hard to get when yeah. really I'm not even yeah. sure she's playing. Like she's actually is just that awkward and unable to communicate clearly sometimes that it comes off that yeah. way. But I'm still really it. giving her a yes. Yeah, that's fair. And our favorite, she wants you but doesn't need you. Oh, man. Marion wants him and needs him. <laughs> she yes. does. I mean, it's yes, pretty clear that she needs Connell. I mean, she needs him in a way to save her. And he changes her. And I, I think she both wants and needs him. 
So I guess yeah, that's a no. Is that to, I would. So I'm, I went with yes on this, but even though I agree with you, but I think that it's her, again, if I'm looking at it from his point of view, he probably doesn't think that, right? He doesn't think that, he thinks she wants me, but doesn't need me because she does have that aloofness she can be cold she just runs out after they're almost gonna have sex and you know i think he would he does not understand the depths of her need for him yeah but he but does i agree we he do does they do acknowledge many times the power right that he has over her and oh, he yeah. Yeah. even does he mm-hmm. knows in various scenes you see this where he knows he has the power over her and he exercises it. So I don't know that he would say she doesn't need me. I I, I think he thinks mm. he can control her. Um, mm. So I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I think that one's a no. Yeah. All right. I, I, she's still certainly qualified. Oh, absolutely. As- as a complicated woman, for sure. Oh, yes. Because we're still talking about yes, her. Yes, exactly. All right. Um, so let's talk about some killer quotes in this book. We talked about the fact that I had a lot of aha slash revelatory moments that got me. But there were like pages or paragraphs. Mm-hmm. I had a lot of quotes that I loved from this book. Like you said, aha moments are just so written so well it's like a thoughts I had had but I never would have been able to articulate Mm -hmm. them that way and there's a lot of those so page 82 when she is um first at the at their first party at Trinity and she sees Connell there um and now the tables have turned and she is there with the host of the Mm -hmm. party who she's now dating and he feels very awkward and insecure because he doesn't know anyone and this is the first time they've seen each other since high school when he snubbed her. And um, yes. it's a very, very cool turning of the tables. Um, and yes. she says to him, I know it's classic me. I came to college and got pretty, which up until that point, I you know, that. you would she love hasn't it. been anything like that or said anything yes. like that up until yes. this point in the book. Right. So yes. it's finally where, you know, and she, her appearance has changed. So she's had a transformation literally on the outside. But then yes. also to be able to say something like that, she's obviously kind of changed on the inside. And she engages in a lot of flirting and banter with him there. But that's mm-hmm. a great line. I know it's classic yes. me. I came to college and got pretty. I love, I agree. I, that is, def, that was definitely one of mine too. It's, it's like lighthearted whimsical and also surprising and i agree i love that moment and that whole scene we'll talk about too yeah um you have any others you want to just oh yeah i have i have i have others do you want me to keep okay so um yeah my next one i have three so this my next one is um on page 95 to 96 so that's still early on right after they reconnected at the party we're talking about in college and they finally have the discussion about how he slighted her in high school by not taking her to the Debs. And because yes. you never, you know, up until this point, you never, they never talked about it. Um, she just left school mm-hmm. and they never spoke again. And he actually apologizes to her clearly. And she says, I forgive you. Um, and that 
quote. I mean, that's part of the quote I like. Um, mm -hmm. And it's very simple, but it's just, to me, it's the one of the first times, and now having read the whole book, really one of the only times they have a really direct conversation yes. where they're actually yes. saying what they want to say. And then, yes. you know, one page later they have sex and she says, it's not like this with other people. And so it's yes. both of those lines that I like, which are a page or two apart, um, yes. that I think that's a really nice example of them actually communicating and saying what they mean, which is very rare yes. in the whole book. Yes. Uh, for um, sure. For you know, sure. Because she says, no, I, he clearly apologizes. She says, I forgive you. And then she's it's like, yeah. An actual real exchange yes, between them, words. like a, a actual meeting of yes, yes, exactly. Yes. Um, All right. And then my last one. We're going to get to the end. So this oh. is page two forty one when they are watching the World Cup, which I think we'll talk about. But um, yeah. All right. Let's hold. Yeah. Let's hold off. I have one that isn't in any of our other scenes, so I will just add this one into it. It's on page eighty five. And she says, sorry about last night. That is, is a good enough line. But then the next paragraph is so amazing. She tries to pronounce this in a way that communicates several things. Apology, painful embarrassment, some additional feigned embarrassment that serves to ironize and dilute the painful kind. A sense that she knows she will be forgiven or is already. A desire not to make it a big deal. Oh my gosh, quotes. that's amazing. Yeah. Right? Isn't that such a good one? I love that. I'm like, that's what that's what our words are loaded hey, with. Right. And then the next line is, yeah. forget about it, he says. <laughs> yes! Exactly. Well, I'm, well sorry. I'm sorry. It's all yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Wow. Sorry that, about last yeah. night, but then all of the things all, she tries to communicate in those four words. Yes. Yes. Also, just to, And she tries to pronounce it in that just way. A I just a great example good. of writing, by the way, too. Yes. I know, so many. Sally Rooney, she really has her stuff together. All right, so our favorite scenes. Yes. And favorite can mean lots of different things, as we'll, we'll uh, unpack. But, okay, the first one I have is in high school. I think it starts on page 31, but then the real meat of it's like 39 to 46. They're in high school, they're at the club, and they're waiting for the boys ar to arrive. I mean, I don't know how Sally Rooney does it, but there is an electricity in the air on the page. Mm -hmm. I don't know exactly what portrays it, but I can feel it. And maybe because I've been there and I've had this sort of secret thing going on and she has this power, but also this she's a little at his mercy and so because she's keeping his secret to not tell everyone that they're together mm -hmm. and but she's aware of both it's just very vibrant and alive and then as you keep going something terrible happens Marianne gets groped and then Connell really stands up mm -hmm. for her in front of his friends and she's shocked by it everyone else is surprised and then they go home together and yeah I mean I think you have that quote yeah. At the end, like, tell, I love I this scene too yet. for yes, that same yes. reason. Um, and at the end, um, she says, uh, Connell says to her, I love you. I'm not just oh, saying yeah, that, I really do. Her eyes fill up with tears again and she closes them. Even in memory, she will find this moment unbearably intense. And she's aware of this now 
while it's happening. She has never believed herself fit to be loved by any person, but now she has a new life, of which this is the first moment, and even after many years have passed, she will still think, yes, that was it, the beginning of my life. Oh, I mean. So good. Right? So good. So good. And it's just, what I love is the conviction that she, like, she really believes that, even though it could be in in a less skilled author's hands. It would be trite and yeah. unbelievable. But you just want to believe it right there. And it feels like there's enough things that have come together that maybe it could be true. Obviously, we know it's certainly not. <laughs> right. But, um, uh, it just is so good. I, I thought it was so excellent. Good. Definitely one of yeah. my favorites yeah. as well. Uh, yeah. No, no split decision on that no, one. No, exactly. Um, what else do we have? Oh, the one we already talked about just with the classic me quote. I love that Connell is sort of seeing her in a different light since he's been taken down a few notches uh, since getting to school. And he comes to this party feeling really awkward and he doesn't know where the guy is that, that, invited him and he's really about to leave and then he sees the guy which I also love Sally Rooney didn't have him spot Marianne at the party he had him spot Gareth and then Gareth brings him to Marianne and they're reunited for the first time and then he says yeah of course of course she would talk drolly about their sex life like it's a cute joke between them and not awkward that shows the power shift the dynamic shift that she's driving it and he's happy about it yeah and this is again in a in a book full of awkward conversations between these two this is yeah. a great <laughs> example of them like you yes. said it's lighthearted. they're actually flirting mm-hmm. um there's a line that i love in this one too her gaze unsettles him like it used to like looking into yes. a mirror seeing something that has no secrets from you. And that's obviously a theme throughout how they really see each other. But just that one gaze after they haven't seen each other in so long, he's like, like looking into a mirror. And I, and I love that it seems genuine that she is excited to see him. The rest of the stuff has sort of really fallen away from her. It's not like she sees him and thinks I need to just act like it doesn't matter. Right. Right. And often it's, it's opposite of what typical roles can be, um, you know, in movies or, or other books where it's the, the woman has sort of a chip on her shoulder and she's forced to act like nothing's wrong because she wants to engage with him. Right. But in this, she really is just genuinely happy to yeah, see him. Yeah, she's over and, it, you know? Yes, I mean. yes. She's, and she's often asking him to forget it and move on. And um, I like that portrayal. And what follows is very sweet flirting and it's another great scene both of these very early on so this is what keeps you reading and keeps you invested in their relationship even as it falls apart right and then my third choice is also uh, one of my nominations for the cringiest scene which I feel like there were so many of those (laughs) the the scenes where it's one of the best and also one of the worst but nothing is more completely double-sided for me than the last scene. So you want to talk about that? Sure. So this one, 
is definitely one of my favorites. I, I'm yeah, because yeah. I was gonna say you lean yeah. more towards the best side, and I think at the end of the day, I do lean more towards the cringy side. But I see. Yeah, both. I mean, yeah, so go. this is definitely I lean more positive on this. So I don't know. I mean, I do have issues with it. Um, it is my right. favorite, but um, so now in the final chapter, Marianne and Connell have reconciled yet again, um, and you know we're told somewhat incredulously that Marianne's a normal person now um, right. now that's mono- obviously. obviously one of my issues I yes. mean given her constant self-loathing in the book um, it's hard to imagine how in the space of a few chapters she suddenly became quote-unquote normal um, right. you know in the prior scene she's asking Connell to hit her and when he won't she goes running out of the house so I mean 20 pages later we now have Rooney telling us she was in his power he had chosen to redeem her. She was redeemed. And that, to me, is a little a little ridiculous. I mean, she didn't poof, right. you know, become a different person. But Right, which we also have no context for what Marianne believes is a normal person. So I don't even know what she means when she says right. that. Right, yeah, yes. Yeah. But putting all but that But even aside, if we yes. did... Yeah, exactly. Even if we did, she would not just magically yeah, turn into one. You know, and so, but still, and I don't know if this is the optimist in me or the romantic or whatever, I choose to see the best in this ending. And I, I think Rooney wants us to. I mean, the second to last line of the book, she writes, people really can change one another. Um, and I mean, that in that same paragraph, you know, she says, he brought her goodness like a gift and now it belongs to her. And I... I really do think so much of this is about how the, a relationship can transform someone. And I think that's what Rooney wants us to believe. And, and I do believe yeah. it. And so to me, it is very hopeful. Um, I, yeah. I do think that part of me is bothered by that a little. That, you know, I, I think you could make an argument that Rooney is portraying women as dependent upon men and that Marianne needing Connell to sort of attain some self-actualization is is very I don't know old-fashioned that she needed to be saved but for some reason and again it's sort of what you were saying before I think in a less skillful writer that could be the message but I never felt that as the message Um, I I really don't I mean she's been ravaged by like a dysfunctional family (laughs) publicly ridiculed but she carries on she's unfazed by what other people think and I think that a lot of people when they truly you know feel connected to someone in some ways need them and that's okay that doesn't mean she needed to be saved like in the in a negative sense so that is definitely or or even if she did need to be saved in a negative sense I think that, again, only because Rooney is, is, is such a skillful writer, I can see it this way. A man, or frankly, more than one man, but since the father is not really, and we'll get more into this into in What's Your Damage, but since a man sort of was the one who inflicted this damage on her that maybe only a man could mm-hmm. heal her, and that is the more the perspective I have, as opposed to you know, if it had really been her mother, the one who had given her the most damage, then maybe it would be a best friend that would heal her. I could see that in Rooney's hands. Right. So to me, it wasn't like that all women need to be saved from all or by all men, but that very specifically, this woman who had been so damaged by her father and her brother needed the love of a man to to heal whatever she had going on. So I get it. Yeah, I see both sides of it too. It's not a great message if that's sort of what people take away from it. But 
if you really think about it and and peel back the layers there's so much more yeah, there. yeah you, you don't think he it's not so bad it's such a bad thing because in the end yeah. he sees her for who she is which is a very damaged individual deeply flawed yes. and he loves her anyway and so what's so yes. <laughs> that that to yeah. me can't be a, a a bad thing i agree so I find this scene hopeful in the same way as you do when I'm just looking at the scene, mm-hmm. right? It reminds me of the last scene of Goodwill Hunting, oh. like where he's taking off and going to find Minnie Driver. And lots of people saw that as like hopeful and he's really going to go give love a chance and, you know, he's going to open himself right. up to her more. But I found that so incredibly depressing because like this, and we'll see, we can stay with this book, mm-hmm. I, they have so much more work to yes, do. Yes, absolutely. It's, like, it's nice and convenient to like leave it on the last shot of like his, his clunker car on some freeway. But I mean, there's so much work to do between the two of them. And so this is where, and we can wrap this into the cringiest scene, a nomination for me, which is like the fact that Connell didn't tell Marianne that he was even applying to this program in New York. I mean, how close are they? Why did he keep that from her? Why is he not sharing that? And and what is this whole, their whole exchange of like, I can stay if you want me to. No, you should go. It's only a year. It'll be fine. It's just so laced with all the things that they're not saying. And he doesn't know what to say. And she's not saying so much. But I... Both of them. It, it does not make me feel good about the communication skills for either one of them. Right, right. No, I, I know. I mean, for him to say, again, to be honest, I don't know what to do. He says, say you want me to stay and I will. Yeah. I mean, come on. You're absolutely right. I mean, yeah. you're putting that back on her. Tell her what you want. Well, I, you, you know, yeah. there are definitely yeah. hints here at they're still doing this whole they're not able to be totally open and communicate properly. Um, right. It it rem- in some ways it reminds me of the scenes before he moves back to Dublin that that one summer yeah. where he wants to move in with her he really wants to move in with her but he doesn't know how to ask he doesn't know how to communicate it and she doesn't say anything and she takes it all wrong so they part ways and then there's a gulf between them I do think it's a little reminiscent of that scene yes it which is. does not make me feel so good. that's the cringy part and it yes. also though leads into which we can't get to yet like where will the where will they be in yes, in six sure. months or five years because what you're saying is yes they have a lot more work to do and that I think those aren't mutually exclusive like it's hopeful but it's not a yeah. fairy tale ending because that this book wouldn't lend itself to that nor would Goodwill Hunting and that would seem so out of place so I think this is as happy ending as you can get while still fitting with the whole theme and tone of the book. Okay. I completely completely agree with that. But as to what they need, more work they need to do, we're going to get to that in the six months or five years because I have a lot of thoughts on that too. (laughs) Okay, good. Perfect. Perfect. All right. So into the cringiest scenes. Uh, and I guess we'll we'll wrap some of the quotes for that cuts deep into the these scenes. The killer one for me, the one that I'm like bleeding all over my microphone right now is, no, I'm immune to you in a yeah. way. So page one fifty three, yeah. she's basically begging. He he says, "You're the kind of person people either love you or hate you." She says, "Well, you don't hate me." 
obviously fishing for you must be on the side of you love me. And what does he say? No. He says, I'm immune to you in a way. I mean, like to the bone. To the bone. This is such a cringy scene. It's bad. It's really bad. And it doesn't get any better. Page 153, it just sets off the whole downward spiral that's coming for, for each one of them. So it just brings us right into the most cringeworthy part of the book, which is that whole last section before the last scene. Yeah. Yeah. So that's so that's two two of mine. What do you what? So I have real just serious cringe factor with the entire scenes in Sweden with Lucas. Yes. I mean, I wish this whole part wasn't in the book at all. I uh, I agree, and the only reason I didn't put this on my list was really, and we'll get to it later with the supporting characters. It was I just wish this never happened. Yeah, you like, want to pretend. Yeah, you could have, you you could have had her hit. I understand hit a different hit a different rock bottom and have a different moment of realization than all of this because, and I guess see if I'm putting not a positive spin but a a, a spin I understand. I think that you needed to really establish the pattern, right? Yeah. Where she she is conflating this physical harm with love. Yes. And by Lucas, we know. Like, this is... She is messed up. Like, she has these two wires very, very crossed right. in her head. And you might have been able to justify it before but now you're like okay this is really she's doing this i guess you're right she does need this as a rock bottom and i but i would like it better if then she learns from that after it like like you said like no this is not right this is not how men are supposed to express their love for you but then as we know she's she's an ass connell at the end like she doesn't learn a damn lesson (laughs) like like If nope. that was the rock nope. bottom, which I get it. Listen, based on all her yeah. damage, which we'll talk about, it's not so yeah. out of bounds that she allowed this to happen. But but then I thought if that was the rock bottom, fine. That's why you put in this extremely cringeworthy episode in Sweden. Yes. But then I thought maybe she'd learn from it. But then she just goes right back to asking him that. But anyway. Um, oh, which gets to my next and cringy scene. I mean, next yes. cringy quote. Yes. What is it? Well, no, it's that scene. Um when they're watching yeah. in the room watching the world oh, cup yes, yes, um yes yes it's just yes. which by the way i kind of have this as one of my I favorites know, i didn't put it on it didn't make the top three but again just to the point of sally rooney writes these scenes that are both my absolute favorite and so cringy you're absolutely yes. right i mean at this yes. point in the book, this is like page 235 to 244. Yeah. They start to have sex. And then she says, right. will you hit me? Hit, I mean, yeah. no. and that's why you're no, torn about this scene because it, it <laughs> turned cringy then. Yes. And, and, yes. and he's like, yeah. and then it continues. He's like, uh, no, yeah. I'm sorry. I can't do that. And then she is like, oh, God, I'm disgusting. Oh, my God. Yeah. She she literally, she hates the person she has become without feeling any power to change anything about herself. She is someone even Connell finds disgusting. She has gone past yeah. what she can tolerate. I mean, but even yeah. before that, this was one of my quotes that I was going to say before, um, but it, we saved it for this. Again, to their miscommunication, um, he's, he, he's getting to the point where they are gonna maybe he does want to make a move on her but she's thinking maybe Mm -hmm. she should leave 
And he says, I I'm just nervous. He says, I feel like it's pretty obvious. I don't want you to leave. And she says, in a tiny voice, she says, right. I don't yes. find it obvious what you want. And I Ugh. just thought she's never inserted that in a tiny voice, like Rooney, right. in any time. So you really know right. that what she's about to say is really very vulnerable. And she's, I don't find yes. it obvious what you want. Isn't that just the epitome? Ugh. I mean, she... Yes. I mean, just... Oh. You're right. It's never yeah. obvious because you people no. are never speaking plainly. No. But she says it in a tiny no. voice. I, just, I know. So it's know. cringy. It's really cringy. See, but that, well, see, that to me is one of my favorite. I, know. I, I know. love it that she has that moment. She's like, okay, I can finally say it. And even though she says it in a tiny voice, she, she does says say it. it. You're right. But neither one of them know what to do. Right. With. There's a... A lot of work. A lot of work left to do. Yes, here. yes, definitely. When you reread these, the yes. depths of it of, of, and the nuances that she can paint in one scene are really yeah. pretty, pretty remarkable. Yeah, well, which brings me to this idea that you and I have spoken about a lot, that I recommend this book so highly. I will talk about it with everyone. <laughs> And then people will go and read it and be like, I hated that book. Why did you tell me to read it? I can't believe you liked it. I didn't say I like it. I said, it is, there's so much in yeah. it. There's so much depth. There's so much to think about. There's so much to talk about. There's so much to examine as to what we're saying and what we're thinking. And Rooney does such a great job of sometimes giving us complete insight, like that scene I read earlier when she says, I'm sorry about last night, and what she means is a whole host of things. And then other times, like the last scene, she does not spell it out yeah. for us. And she lets us do it. She has a ton of trust in us as readers, which I love. Right. When I read it the first time, I, <laughs> I texted you and said, I don't think yeah. I like this at all, but yeah. I can't stop reading. And exactly and and as we talked about it's not because the characters are so likable in fact nobody is no. likable but we want to see no. what happens with marianne and connell and that there, that's a testament to her writing that you want to you want to you're compelled to continue reading we'll come back to it in just a minute in the what she said but the idea of like it's just, it's their dynamic mm -hmm. that hooks you yeah in. it's their push and pull because i don't like either one of them but i am so rooting for the two of them to what I don't know right sometimes I'm rooting for them to never speak to each other again and sometimes I'm rooting for them to you know declare their love but in any event I it's the two of yep. them it's their dynamic that's what I'm a hundred percent invested in because I don't like either one of them but I can't look away from what will happen to these and two that's people. what she cares about Rooney I mean that's we've yes, talked about this course. she cares yeah. so much about the relationships between people on how we all exist just sort of in relation to the other. So she's, she's done a good job because that's exactly yes. why you just said you kept reading and it's the same reason I did. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so I didn't like the book, <laughs> but I, but I recommend it. I want everyone to read it. I want to talk about it with anyone who wants to talk about it. Um, but like is not the word I'm using. It's it's thought provoking. It's interesting. Mm -hmm. It's gut wrenching. It's frustrating. It's a lot of things. I like to me is a very low bar. <laughs> I mean, we have talked about this book and read parts of this book just so many times, and we continue to have so much to say about it. And that to me is pretty mind. -blowing. Yeah, it, I completely agree. 
All right, let's go back to focus on Marianne, our complicated woman uh, protagonist, and talk about what's your damage, Heather. So where do we I start? Mean, <laughs> yeah. Well, there really is only one place. To, well, there's the place to start is for sure her family, mm-hmm. right? And Sally Rooney again does a good job of lacing through the backstory. There's no, we don't ever get like a big story about something that happened when her father was alive or when when abuse started and what forms the abuse takes. You know, obviously we get hints with with her brother Alan. But it is kind of, and she has a moment, damn, I didn't mark this page, but she has a moment where she says she feels bad. Sometimes she thinks she's exaggerating what happens because I, I assume that's how it feels to her. Right. And then other, other times she thinks she downplays it because it is pretty terrible. But that's normal family of origin stuff. You don't know because for a long time you don't even know your damage because it's just your life, right, right? right? It's just what goes. And Sally Rooney does nothing. The author does nothing to give us like a lot of, there's no snippets of, of those backstories. We don't know when it started, how it started and all the forms it took, but we know that's like, that's her damage Absolutely. is it comes from, yeah, from her father and her brother. Right. But, and her mother. But I mean, her mother. Yes. She really has no redeeming family member. <laughs> no, she it's true. But we don't get the sense or I didn't get the sense that her mother is quite as traumatizing for her. Her mother is not a source of love, not a source of acceptance, but it also doesn't seem to really crush her the way I think her brother and her her, her dad's have. Well, yeah, um, yeah, you're right cuz she doesn't yeah. really Rooney doesn't really write that much about the mother. We only see li- we see less of her. And much right. more of the brother's actual Brother. verbal and physical abuse throughout. Yes. But you and I have talked about this. I mean, for sure, that is the origin of some of her issues. But she continues to re-traumatize herself as an adult through her adult life. And that is very cringeworthy. Though it is fair and most, you know, 20-something-year-olds, that's what they're doing. They're generally repeating the same cycles that they've learned in order to hopefully, you know, break them. But it's 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 a tough piece of life to watch her just re-traumatize herself getting into these relationships where she's not only with guys who will hit her, but asking them to and then making it about her, like that she's supposed to do yeah. this, she's supposed to be, you know, subservient to them and, and let them have that power over her and... The whole thing. I mean, she's, I'm not minimizing what, certainly what her brother continues to do to her throughout the whole book, but she is also traumatizing herself by entering into, into these bad relationships. I agree. I, I get it that we're playing a little bit of armchair psychologist here. And, and, yeah, I, and, yeah. and I do think in playing this part that it probably <laughs> is common for people to re-traumatize themselves based on things that have happened in their past. I guess my issue with with the way this unfolds is it's just like a little too on the nose for me and a little mm, too mm. one dimensional. Like you could, yeah. she could be playing out or re, you know, these issues are re-traumatizing herself in other ways, but in the, to have it be in the exact same way, meaning yes. she got hit. So now she's asking men to hit her. 
just exactly. seemed to me a little too like much of a caricature of an abusive yeah. family. I've just read the Erin Lee Carr um, memoir. Mm -hmm. Her father had dabbled in crack and cocaine. So she was like, well, I'm never going to do drugs. So that you're like, okay, she's seen her father's lesson and learned that lesson. And so she doesn't pick up a crack pipe because she knows better. So maybe you think Marianne should know better than to actually ask her boyfriends to hit her. Right, right. right. I don't like, know, maybe she's, like, maybe she should have been in a fight club of sorts, he, like, with girls. Yeah, I in, mean, I get... Getting in cat fights. Yes, like, I get it that having had that experience makes her have issues with her self-worth oh, completely and that she yes. doesn't yes. understand because of that the appropriate way for a man to express his feelings for you like that i get that but but right. that could have been played out nose. right in other ways and just it's just so literal but i, I don't know again i'm not a shrink maybe sally rooney no. has researched this yeah but here's the thing this isn't a psychology no it's, you're a, right. it's fiction you're right. she could have made a different choice right. but i do get your point if it is really true to form then then she wanted to be true to form and not have it be adjacent but right but this is certainly i will say not one of these um complicated females where i look at what's her damage and i think really i mean come on were you really damaged right. she really was so no, she you know what i mean for sure so there is sure. some very and i think she just wants you uh, the reader to to understand like she this this woman has been has been damaged and and that brother right. continuing to oh. verbal abuse to me is so much worse than even the physical yes. like oh it's so insidious yeah. yeah so i mean that just yeah so she's she's damaged and and that's right. and she, hard and right and she's continuing to have that mm -hmm. um damage inflicted yes. on her by him this is not a fragile ego kind of thing yeah like this is this, this isn't is fake real. damage <laughs> no this is we real. might have this some protagonists we talk about who i think have some fake damage but i don't know we'll see yes. where that goes Okay, what she said. So these are quotes generally by the author discussing either the process of writing or this book in particular or just her philosophy on life or her philosophy on self, frankly, because we do venture into that a little bit with Bruni, even though she does not have much of a, of a presence out there. She'll do interviews for press, probably that her publisher forces her to do, um, and mm -hmm. she obliges nicely because she really does give a great interview, but she's not on social media, no Instagram. She will activate her Twitter and then delete it and then activate it and delete it. So she she obviously, she's not out there a ton, but she does give a great interview because we have some good quotes that we want to talk about. Where, where do we want to start on this one? Well, um, yeah, I, I actually, it's funny. You're right. She doesn't give a lot of interviews. And we've talked about this. She's sort of deeply uncomfortable mm -hmm. with this notion that someone who writes a book is really worth listening to, yeah. right? Like yeah. that they have anything important to say. But it's it's funny because I have so many quotes from her yes. that I would love to talk about more than we would have time to, right. which leads me to believe that I would love to actually interview her or talk to her based on this. Um, but the one that is my favorite uh, is uh, about is an article she herself wrote for the Dublin Review about her college debating experience. Okay. She was actually she was the number one debater I in know. Europe when I she know. was at Trinity. Yeah, and um, 
Someone asked her that in an interview about that, and she said, God, I know, I'm such an intense person. Um, <laughs> I love that. But I know, but then, so the article, it's a very long article uh, that she wrote about uh, the debate experience, mm-hmm. and it's called Even If You Beat Me, and generally it just discusses how she made it to the pinnacle and became the number one debater in Europe, yeah. But then, and then even a highly sought-after judge for debate competitions, only to become disillusioned with the whole process, um, and she just didn't want to do it anymore. Um, but at the end of the article, this is the quote um, that she said that I think is amazing. She says, but I did it. I got everything I set out to get. I was the one delivering the offhanded refutation. It was me sipping water while I waited for the end of the applause. I still occasionally feel an impulse to attribute all my achievements that year to my perfect teammate or worse to good luck but I'm not 19 anymore. Mm. I don't need to make people feel comfortable. In the end, it was me. It may not mean anything to anyone else, but it doesn't have to. That's the point. I was number one. Like Fast Eddie, I'm the best there is. And even if you beat me, I'm still the best. I love that. I just love love that, right? So she's taking ownership of her success. You know, so often women give the credit away, like she said, giving... At attributing it to somebody else or to good fortune and here she's just like I got to the top because of me it was yeah. my talent yeah. and I love this badass attitude what I don't understand is why her female protagonists was, don't have that kind of badass so attitude I was just gonna say as you were reading it my mind was just swelling up and and exploding out of the top of my head because I think that quote is so impactful and so interesting because of the characters she's written, right? I mean, if right. she was, if if not, if the character was totally badass and and had that attitude all the time, if Marianne was that way, the author interview interview would feel one note, right? What she said would be one note, right? But she has written this anxiety riddled, poor communicator you know insecure yes and Mm -hmm. and then here she is with this i don't care my job is not to make you comfortable i'm the best and even if you beat me i'm still the best i mean it is so what my mind was blowing about most was this idea of like how she's in conversation with herself as Mm -hmm. mary like as marianne i'm sure she has that side to her too and but yet she also knows that she is the best and she has this side to her as well and that context that dynamic the the fact that she can go so low and so insecure and think that she's doing nothing good with her life right right now and then also say i'm this badass i I just it's that dynamic it's that defining herself with herself that is that is so so impactful i mean the quote's great anyway but yeah. really, your mind can can like just get so twisted around that she's probably both of those things. And she, yes, yeah, yeah I love. But do we think Marianne is both of those I, things, or do we see anything in the in the novel itself that suggests she has more of the badass in her that we just didn't get to see? I think that, and we'll get to this. I think that uh-huh. it's in five years. I think in yeah. five oh, years, yes. she's okay. gonna, I'm done yeah. doing this. I'm done being sub you know, submissive to my boyfriends. I'm done being hit and thinking that's love. 
So it's coming. I think it's coming, but I don't think it ever goes away. I think it will always be both, just like even in her. So let me give one of my quotes from mm-hmm. Rooney. Straight out of her mouth recently, she says, I feel like I could devote myself to far more important things than writing novels. And yeah. I've just failed to do that. And I've mm-hmm. just failed to do that. That's what she says about herself today. Yeah, she's, she's written two best-selling novels. <laughs> I mean... So I think that Marianne, even if we give her that Sally Rooney attribute in five years, that she's going to come out with some badass quote, I think she's still deeply insecure. And I think I would would guess that there's got to be two kernels of truth there for Rooney herself, that she is deeply insecure and also cannot hide and is not willing to anymore how badass she is. I know, I, mean, the, I know. The number one competitive debater on the continent of Europe. By the way, I want to finish the rest of that quote because also calling BS here. The rest of the quote is, there is a part of me that will never be happy knowing that I am just writing entertainment, making decorative aesthetic objects at a time of historical crisis. Mm-hmm. But I am not good at anything else. This is the one thing I'm good at. I mean, be at, I have to call BS on that. There, yeah. <laughs> like she was the number one competitive debater on the continent of Europe. Like, yeah, like you obviously have other skills. Yeah, and by the way, my guess is any single thing that you wanted to dedicate yourself to, you would be the best at, Sally Rooney. So No, exactly. So, because I have another quote where she said, I would rather do two things really, really, really well than do 16 things and have 14 of them fail. Right, yeah. I wanted to get the novel as perfect as I could. I think it's an aversion to failure. Yeah. So if you have that kind of approach, yeah. you're right. You Whatever you apply yourself to... It's like what I always say about myself. I don't do anything half-assed. Right, right. Like so, don't so she, if you yes. if you decide you're going to do something, yeah. then I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. I'm, and clearly, her she could do the same. And I mean, I don't know why she's so uncomfortable. Yeah, well, about being a best-selling novelist. I mean, why she I, thinks that's not important enough. This is where I get a little sense of that self-loathing of Marianne. I'm not right. comparing one-on-one, but to to say. All I'm, it's this time of historical crisis and all I'm doing is writing entertainment. I mean, it's just so, she first of all sees that she should be doing something better and she's not. And also just writing entertainment. I mean, this book is insanely full of uh, insight into human beings, insight into the way societies operate. I mean, just writing entertainment. This is not like a, you know, yeah, a, a, a beach read, no, yeah, romance this, novel, exactly. right? Like, yeah, exactly. So I, I don't know. You, I see, I see that little, like I said, little glimmers of of Marianne there, of both sides that she has this extreme, like she cannot deny how good she is, but also needs to undermine it, right? Right. And it's just, it's it. This is what this entire podcast is about complicated women people who portray one thing feel a different thing um, portray one thing in in x setting but but look differently in y setting you know it's just it's this paradox that makes complete sense if you're really willing to dig into it and I love that because 
who doesn't love something that looks one way and is like continues to surprise you as you dig into it and think about it and and um unpack it i that right. is to me like i mean i know i'm an, an intense nerd but that no, but and, and and sally rooney seems to both the author and her protagonist yes. both seem to absolutely fall into the complicated uh woman category uh, yes for sure that brings me to an, another quote from her i don't really believe in the idea of the individual I yep. find myself consistently drawn to writing about in- intimacy and the way we construct one another. I love mm-hmm. that it's mutual, but it's it's completely dependent, right? Like, it, it is. It's fascinating to think that the Sally Rooney that does interviews isn't the one that's in her relationship. And what does that look like? What Because that dynamic is a whole different thing. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if this was from the same article, but I have a similar quote that I love that could be from that same article. Um, What I'm interested in to a large extent is intimacy, Mm -hmm. the discomfort, the loss of self of being penetrated literally and also psychologically. Mm -hmm. I I mean, yeah, I I just it's it. That's exactly what she's examining. Yes. be interesting to be in a relationship with her there was another this is my last quote but there was a unless you have more but um they had asked her someone had asked her about um the themes in her book of of male abuse of females and um the me too movement Mm -hmm. and whether she was making some sort of social commentary on that um and i thought her answer was so interesting um She said, there's so much fiction and general cultural discourse around Me Too, but it's something I just don't find very interesting to explore. Mm. I'm not interested in the psychology of cruel, abusive, exploitive people. Which is interesting because, and I get that she's not maybe fine, she's not interested in the cultural discourse about Me Too, but Mm. um, she's not interested. I guess, though... She isn't interested in the psychology of the cruel, right. abusive, exploitive people Ex- because those people are such minor Exa- characters and in her one book. dimensional, right? And one dimensional. So that does make sense. It then. does. Yeah. But it's. Yeah. But I hadn't read that quote, and that's really interesting, and it makes sense now. So because we've also t- talked about why Alan is so one dimensional, why she didn't give that's us right. any other piece of him. Like I had said, you know. You could, I could see oh, getting right. feedback like from a writing group who says like, well, make him have a wife who loves him so much. And even if you don't see that dynamic, you just know the reader knows he has a wife, someone who loves him right? or, or a partner, whatever, you know, some other aspect or maybe as a father, you could see him as a father, but some other aspect where you know that this person has another side, even if the he humanizes yes. him. Right. And even mm-hmm. if he never, ever shows that side to... Marianne, um, at least the reader yeah. knows it exists, but she, Sally Rooney did not include that. And to me now that makes much more it sense. It really does. Even the yes. boyfriends, yes. Jamie, like yep. you know nothing about them no. except that they're abusive. Yeah. But that's the only thing you need to know, I guess. She doesn't want to delve into their psyche or right. psychology. Um, wow, that's... Yeah, that's actually very interesting. That's The, the quote is even more interesting than I thought because I, I was thinking of it more how sort of flippant she was about just like, I'm not interested right. in Me Too yes, movement. Yes. I wasn't trying to make any social commentary about that, you know, which seems like something she would say. Right. Like, right. No. where some people yes. might feel compelled to be like, oh, yes, I'm fascinated by them. No, yes. she's like, no, that's not actually something that's 
interesting to me. Right. Well, I but think. But yeah, she, no, this does explain it more. That I do love that piece of the quote. I mean, I do think she could have given a better answer. The Me Too move- movement does not have to be about the men who are you know inflicting the damage that yeah, are that are the these cruel fair. people it could be about the women and and telling their stories and um you know letting them have their moment and you know to to expose the truth and and their side of things so she could have done more for that but i you know i i can't I, I'm not knocking her. I, I can't. I, yeah. I'm not gonna troll on on that little piece of it because the rest of it's just so so interesting and so complete. So, um, please send me that link. I did not read that. I want to read that oh, one. I will. Okay, good. Um, all right. So back to Marianne. We'll we'll leave Sally Rudy alone. <laughs> we've we've done enough um, laptop analysis on her. And let's go back to Marianne and look into our crystal ball. So where is Marianne in six months? Marianne, and, you know, I feel, although our topic is complicated women, I feel like Sally Rooney would really want us to talk about where Marianne and Connell as a a unit are in six months. Right, right. So So, I don't know. I, I think in six months... He has moved to New York, okay, that's and what I, I think ask. they are trying to do the mm-hmm. long distance thing and failing at it miserably. Yes, I I think well, so I think he is he is in New York. I think that they are continuing with the miscommunication, and and I don't know if they're failing miserably because they maybe they have good moments too. But I think what's happening is the resentments continue to build, right? Because that's all we've seen. We contrast it with with what we talked about in the beginning when she first sees him again at Trinity after high school. She had a lot to be pissed off at him about for the uh, the way things yeah. ended in high school, but they rolled off her back because the first few you know slights always do. But now mm-hmm. throughout the book, the resentments just continue to build, and I think that that's what's happening when they're in New York. Um, yeah, and I think they're still so young. Yeah. That I can't even blame them, really. Like, Yo, well, I don't really oh. expect them to do better yet I agree. at the six-month mark, right? Agree. I think they the ending was hopeful. I think they came a long way, yeah. sort of. Um, yes. No, but there's still, like we said, so much work to be done that with the six-month mark, I think they're still young and just can't figure, can't get their shit together, basically. Okay. <laughs> so I feel like this is, now, I, we agree Almost exactly on the six month, which makes which makes me think our five years are going to be a hundred and eighty degrees apart. You think they're still together and doing better? No, no, okay. no, no, right. no. I thought that's where you I were don't. going. Okay, I thought that's I where know, you were going. I know because it should be where I'm going with all my hopeful yeah. talk. But <laughs> but well, here's what I, I I okay no I actually don't. Okay. And that, this is where the I don't know why the romantic in me can't just see the vision through. Okay, but, okay. Um, I think that so I said this to you before. I think one of, I think one of the reasons the ending is so spot on for the book is it still as we've discussed has this very will they or won't they vibe, right? Mm-hmm. Even though I do think it's hopeful, mm-hmm. there's definitely, as we've pointed sure. out, ways to interpret it both ways. What I what I take away from it is that she has changed for the better, right? It's a gift that now belongs to her. So I still think that she is 
in five years, much better off. I think that she's been in hopefully a lot of therapy. Mm-hmm. I think that she's maybe now in a healthier relationship, maybe with someone. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But here's, but I think she's still comparing every man she's ever met to Connell mm-hmm. because he's not just a first love like that saying, oh, my first yes. love. No, I think it was a transformative love. Yeah, by and the way, I wonder, he, that was, yeah. I, I forgot about this until I was rereading. He was her first kiss. Yeah, Even wow. kiss, not, I mean, you're right. Every, You're but right. go ahead. So yes, for yeah, sure. Yeah, so I'm saying it was a transformative love. Like, and I yeah. wonder if she'll ever be able to be so herself with anyone else or so vulnerable and whether anyone will see her as he does. And I think, she might be able to find five years later that she's more stable and is dating, you know, good guys. Maybe she's hopefully no longer, you know, gone down this abusive path, mm-hmm. but she'll be, she'll be weighing or placing importance on different things. Honestly, kind of like Connell did with Helen. Right. She's going to yeah. looking for people who make her feel sort of normal now, yeah. but I just still think she'll always be comparing them to thinking, but does this person really see me? Does she really have right. that kind of connection she had with Connell? I think the answer is going to be no. Yeah. Uh, okay. And then we could get to 10 or 15 and maybe maybe they're at the Trinity reunion <laughs> talking about, oh my God, that's what you meant? Why didn't you tell me this? Right. I mean, I can see that too. So. Right. Well, I, okay, I thought you were going to say they were happily together. And what yeah. I, but you're not even, you're not even giving them together. And I'm giving them together. I think they're still together. Wow. Well, so let me let me qualify that. Still together is in the same way they were together over the five years of this book, right? Like, they're not okay. really together. They're back and forth. They're always falling back into each other. But mm-hmm. I agree with you. I think she – so I think he went to New York and resentments built and there was – they were he had his own girlfriend in New York oh would love to think about who he's dating in New York but uh he hadn't gone there um that she's dating in you know back at home I think her relationships do get healthier I think she does stop with entering into abusive relationships she stops and trying to invite abuse into her relationships whether whether it's there or not um I think she gets healthier I think after his MFA is over he comes back and they're back together they fall into it um and then I think at the five-year mark I'm just gonna say like she has now had one or two relationships that are healthier and they come back together at five years and he hits her I'm Mm. yeah because he yes he because in his head this is that was the thing that he couldn't give her that she wanted. Oh, no. Yes. Connell, yes. no. And oh. yes, it'll be so <sighs> twisted. And he, he will have gotten it completely wrong. But isn't that this book? And she's going to oh. be like, I cannot believe you just hit me. And she will like storm out and never speak to him again. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. I can't. No, this cannot be the ending. <laughs> But wow, points for creativity. Oh, this is the author in you. But it's the same dynamic, right? Like, couldn't you see that? But then I guess he's obviously not had any therapy. I was hoping that he had sort of, you know, examined himself too. And that they were both in a better place. I, I think he did. And he thinks this is the one thing. You know, people can have um, physical 
relationships and be okay. Yeah. I mean, people like to be, you know, to yes. have certain things done to them physically, and and that yes. and that can be totally safe and okay. If both people, yes, yep, are, right. are interested in that, so yes. maybe mm-hmm. he thinks I was the one who couldn't handle it. This is what she wants. Oh, she knows God. she could handle it. She knows this isn't about her dad or her brother. And I was the one who screwed that up. And I could never give it to her, the one thing she needed. And oh, right, geez. how stupid he would be. I get it. Oh, but but No, but it's yeah. it's entirely possible. I mean Oh, geez, and I just want them to, you know, go do their therapy <laughs> and date other people and then realize at the, you know, five year Trinity reunion. <laughs> That they, you know, I want them to have a real conversation yeah. where they now say all the things they didn't yes. say. And yes. why didn't you just tell me not to go to New York? Yeah. Well, and she'll say, well, you said it sounded like you wanted to go and you didn't have to even tell me about the application. Yeah. He's like, well, I wanted to. But and then it's a whole right. aha moment where they realize yeah. that they just weren't being honest with each other and that. Then what though, Kate? Then what? I honestly I think know. that's what happens at like the two or three. No, I guess a two-year program. He comes back. I think that's what happens at the two-year, six-month point. Okay. And then, okay. and then they they try it for a little bit, and something happens. So I think they do have all of those pieces, but they never get it right. Because whenever they get it right, whenever they say, "Hey, I'm really sorry about what happened," then they just continue to do the wrong things. So there would just be new stuff. It's true. It's true. We've never seen anything that makes me think that they can get it right. And look, uh, this is my my little... I'll save this for my little piece at the end, but maybe I've been in a relationship like this. <laughs> the, the, details, the details are not at all the same, but the dynamic mm. is. And you find that you sprint ahead and the other person's behind and then... He catches up and meets you, says all the right things. You're on the same playing field again, and then he sprints ahead, and I'm behind. You know, it's like I've. It just never. It never gets right. It just doesn't ever get right. So, but do you? Does this person? Yes. Yeah. Honestly, it doesn't. It's not really personal. But just back to Connell and Marianne. In your scenario, though, I mean, the, I what I think really defines them and maybe gives them the chance is that I do think it's very rare for someone to be seen truly by someone else mm. for who they really are. And again, back to mm. her, it's all relational. I think you you're you can be different person with different people, right? And that those yeah. that other person may bring out a side of you. And I just feel like with these two. They really have a connection in in a way that I find it hard to believe she can have with someone else because I think it's rare to be able to be so open and to be completely yourself and have the other person see that and accept it and love you anyway. Okay, so I don't. Do you I have think two. I have two often? answers to this question. And yes. one is one that you and I will discuss uh, uh, over. Uh, you know, <laughs> over some Pinot. Not part of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Way outside the, the scope of the podcast. But my real answer is, Kate, there is something about someone who sees you that also is an anchor tied to your wrist mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and drowning you. 
because mm-hmm. it does not allow you to grow because he can't always see her and the question is what do we need to be seen is it that he sees her and her damage and then will he only and this is goes to my five-year answer will he only ever see her damage and he will always be negotiating her damage she will not really be allowed to heal so that's why he comes back and he hits her not because he's an abusive person but because he only knows how to see her through her damage and that he will think this is what i should do for her i was looking at it the wrong way and will he what will he see her like will he continue to see her when she's healed and has therapy and doesn't ever want to be hit and doesn't ever want to be the person who was hit or no i mean does is there something that you don't even want someone to know that you were ever hit i don't know i i don't know but i think that that truly being seen can really root you in an in an old place and you want someone who sees who you are like now right i was just gonna say it's it's temporal right like you think that he that's interesting so when he really saw her for who she was she was one thing or one type of person which was deeply damaged and that then five years later or however long later does she does he always see her through that lens right and can and is that yeah, I mean, it's the, mm, that's, that's the question. Because I'd like to believe that people can, people, if they saw you so clearly at that time in that way, that they're open, there's some sort of connection yeah. with you that allows them to see you now. But but maybe not. They're always no, going to be colored, I no think, doubt about it. No, but no, but I do agree with you. It. I think it has to do with, though, what you love part of what he loves about Marianne is the way oh, she is both the way that she is both powerful and so helpless at the, at the same right. time and that that dynamic those extremes have to come a little closer for Marianne as a human being to she needs right. to come a little bit where she knows how to be in her power but also be a little bit helpless so that she's fostering both sides of those the, of her but a little bit closer to something healthy. Now, if if someone was like, if he instead saw her and loved her for like her debate tactics, like the way yeah. she loved politics and would engage, but always knew when to back off. Like if she could see that. And meanwhile, she's like, I'm so aggressive. Or someone says, oh, she's just so aggressive. So they don't see the other side of her. So so there are different things. Um, right. And I fear that what he truly sees about her is her damage in a way that makes him love her and not love her alternately and and that's not a great dynamic it also makes him feel better about himself I've never never liked that aspect of him yeah he always used her damage to be like well I'm not as damaged as her basically or like that there's many points in the book where he says things like that where like I and and that's yeah, that's so I don't, like, yeah. I don't like that yeah. aspect either. And that's what I'm saying, that I think it's it's more of an anchor uh, than it is like really a mirror, anchor. even though she, he thinks it's a mirror. I don't see these as, you know, well, star-crossed there's gonna lovers. Be a, there's going to be a movie made well, out of a uh, series. Yeah. Well, if they do a flash-forward final scene oh, five years later and you get it right... <laughs> 
and he hits her, I am going to literally call up the BBC and Hulu and be like, you should have had her write this screenplay. Oh, that's too perfectly, by the way, love you for your perfect setup into spinoff potential, our last segment. Oh. Um, which supporting character or side story would you want to see more of? Oh, jeez. This was easy for me. Do you want me to go first or you want? Yeah. Okay. Mine, yeah. mine was Sadie. Because I. Oh, wow. Yeah, because I am not sure. I didn't. I mean, I don't think the point was to understand her. But I honestly just wasn't sure if she was totally in love with Connell or she just needed content for her literary magazine. <laughs> I right. need to know more about that. That's something. Right. Because I did not like her, but we also didn't get to see any of her point of view. So I was very curious. Yes, and yes, yeah. you pointed out, Connell confides in her about yes. applying for this yes. program that, and not with yeah. Marianne. The problem with picking a spinoff character yeah. that you want to see more of with this book, yes. as you know, is the... Uh, the auxiliary characters We're all are so minimal yes. or minimized that yes. it's hard. I mean, I actually thought maybe Lorraine, oh, Kyle's yes. mom, because yes. I really like her, yes. and it's it's clearly an interesting story. I mean, she she's in a time in Ireland where you there can't get an abortion, yes. so she has this baby yeah. when she's a teenager. Yeah. She's one of the only other positive characters, meaning in the way she's portrayed, you actually like her. Yes. And I wonder, yeah, what's her story? Like, who is the guy? And yeah. she's, you know, all of that. And and she's she's managed to be a single mom and raise a pretty smart, yes. you know, Good. somewhat damaged, but nice kid. Yeah. So, I don't know. Lorraine was the only one I could think of. I love that. I cannot believe I didn't think of her. I, yeah, I love that. I I think I didn't think of her because we did get so much of her. But you're right. There's still so much more. Yeah. Um, because I went, we got so little of everybody, really, yes. except for these two. I, I went more obscure. All right. But what which supporting character do you wish was dead or just cut from the whole from the whole book and you know oh, you know her mine. brother. Yeah. Oh, he, he should, oh, okay. Oh, wait, well, I, went, I was Lucas. Oh yeah, so he is so you're yeah. so supporting yeah. that I can't. Yes. Yeah, okay. and you can't really yeah. you can't really cut her brother, I guess, because then that's why you know she's so damaged. Yes. But I did. I would like to cut him just because he's so yes. terrible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. So um, those are those are all very interesting and good. I'm. I think I'm now on the the Lorraine spinoff. I want the Lorraine spinoff, but. <laughs> I there's a lot to know about her and and I could see someone good playing her. I mean, she's a young mom. It's there's a lot yeah. there's a lot there. Yeah, she's only 30 something. Yeah. You know, she's got a whole life ahead of her. So yeah. there's plenty of room for the spin-off. I love it. Plenty of of story arc there. Love it. Love it. Um all right. So closing out. Any any parting um wisdom <laughs> or takeaways from this? I mean, we've already had quite a few insights even just coming up on the podcast like during this this episode um mine was definitely summed up in the context of this my old relationship in that <laughs> communicate this is a communication i get it marianne it can it can seem not fun it's not good to be vulnerable but it's better than the alternative because Sometimes I do think, uh, certainly 
in a, a previous relationship of mine, I think the whole thing probably would have come and gone in like six months if either one of us had ever really been honest. But part of being honest is knowing what you want too. And and like Marianne and Connell, I met yeah. this person at a time when I wasn't sure what the hell was going on with my right. life and and right. like life in general not not just my yeah. life but and so you were young yes right? I mean, yes and yeah. so but but had we been able to be honest been able to be honest but also I don't know that we would have had we been able to anyway but I think the whole thing would have come and gone in six months and meanwhile it's like a, a story um, in my life that like continues 20 years later so I mean not really I mean I'm not in, in any sort of relationship with him but um, it, it just, it's something that never goes away and should have never been anything probably in the first place. So that is very interesting. I, I guess that's, I guess it's similar to what I am taking away from it too, which is just maybe a very basic point that the first, not your first love, cause again, I don't, I don't like that term I think more like you're saying more the first person who really sees you mm-hmm. and I would, I would consider more of like a transformative love which yes. could be your first love but right. isn't everybody's sure. cause that that has a profound impact on your relationships after that mm, how about that yes. that might be a very basic thing to say maybe like duh but really I don't know certainly at the time you don't realize that yeah and I, until way later when you're like, oh, wow, maybe whatever was happening there or that dynamic has caused me now in subsequent relationships to do things differently yeah. or to make different choices, right? And you just, to me, that that's sort of when I read their story yeah. and thought the five years ahead, yeah. I thought, this is this is why I said she'll compare everyone to him. Yeah. And that maybe is a good comparison or bad, right, sure. good or a bad sure. thing, I don't know. Right. But it's a thing that you will deal with, whether you're doing it consciously or not. See, now, look at you, tying this thing up so perfectly. I mean, I feel like that's the end <laughs> of the podcast, and that's like the end of the book. And that's true, but that's depressing. <laughs> it's like that's terrible because also you don't even know what that relationship is until really you've had some hindsight right oh completely and then hindsight gets mixed in with nostalgia and then you got a crazy inaccurate cocktail of what may or may not have happened too so yes so yeah yeah so that's depressing as hell so great (laughs) super (laughs) No, it's Super. so true and depressing. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. With, a, with a nugget of hope, too? Yes, I always love yes. a nugget of hope. Yeah. Yes, I do. <sighs> All right. Well, this was wonderful. This has been Pop Fiction Women with Corinne and Kate. If you loved this episode, please leave a review. And if you hated it, email us. We want to hash it out. Love us or hate us, don't forget to subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcasts. And keep it complicated.